Hello, welcome to Talking Usework. My name is Rui Branco and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can news workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work. Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. This episode has the support of the project EduLabs, and today we were talking with Michael Kimming. Michael is a trainer, uh, intercultural coach, and earlier this year of 2022, when the invasion of Ukraine started, Michael took the initiative with other colleagues to release a small publication about how to talk about the war, how to facilitate learning in times of crisis. This was an extremely relevant tool at the time and still today, when we work with groups that are diverse and where our participants might be dealing with all kinds of issues, societal issues. Maybe it's the war, maybe it's a climate change urgency, maybe it is the revolution in Iran or in another country. So there's so much change and crises these days that we might need to reflect on how to deal with this. And Michael gave us great tools and great examples on how we can do this, starting from checking in with yourself as a facilitator. What are you feeling about this crisis? Checking in with your team and making sure that everybody can express what is their inner struggles with that crisis. But also then bringing this topic into the table and bravely talk about it, uh, even knowing that there might be different opinions and perspectives on the issue, but um, to really co-create with participants this environment of support, of expressing how we feel and what we need to engage in learning within those conditions, if possible. It was a very um, tender and useful conversation, I think. I hope you find it useful as well for your work. There are great resources mentioned there as well if you're looking for more tools. So stay with us and Let's talk youth work. Hi, everyone. Good day, wherever you are listening from. Today, we are here with Michael Kiming and Rui. Hello, Michael. Hello, Rui. Hello, Anita. Hello, Rui. Hello, Anita. <laughs> Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you with us, and it's a pleasure to see you again, Rui. Yes, as always, a pleasure to see you. And seeing you for the first time is also a pleasure, Michael. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> okay, well, with no further ado, um, Michael, uh, it's so good to have you in our podcast. And um, I would like uh, to ask you to let our listeners know a little bit more about uh, who you are. So what is your background and how did you end up in youth work? Um, oh, kind of, it's, it's going a long way back, but I, I, I don't start at the beginning. I picked pick maybe another day when I joined international youth work. So I did youth work uh, in our community, in our town, 
in the church. I had a group of nine years old, and uh, later I had a German German Red Cross. I had another group. Uh, but later during my studies, I joined Service Civil International, and I, I coordinated my first uh, work camp. So, and I think this is my my starting point and my wake up or my first contact with uh, international youth work. And um, I remember remember it because uh, it's also this the, the idea of working and learning and volunteering, kind of this having this together. And it was this moment of first time being in an international intercultural mixed group. And and also because Service Civil International has a long history of work camps also also as a as a tool for reconciliation and peace work, uh, it was also political work. And so these these three dimensions together kind of uh, very much pushed my my further development. Later later on, I got uh, more classical into youth exchanges, youth projects, uh, the youth in action program, then Erasmus, and uh, I started to stay connected to voluntary service, joining the European Solidarity Program. And um, yeah, and stayed there until now. And so I'm working with uh, with volunteers, with uh, organizations, with mentors. Yeah, and basically I'm working as an inter intercultural trainer and coach, off and online. Yeah. Fantastic. And the the reason why uh, I was so uh, curious about uh, your work. Um, is because recently you and other colleagues, you developed a publication and not only, but we'll get there, um, on a topic that I think is very um, present uh, for, for us uh, in Europe nowadays, which is how do we talk about the war? How do you facilitate learning in the face of crisis? And um, I, I remember a few months ago uh, after the invasion of Ukraine, when you and your colleagues um, released this this publication, and I thought, oh my God, this is so relevant right now. It's so important, and um, I wanted to to know more about the story of that. How how did you came about to write this publication? Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, it's still relevant. Yeah, um, this is some something I think uh, where the you you don't pick an idea or you don't have an idea, but kind of the idea comes to you. Some something like this. I I just remember out of the the moment because it was uh, February the twenty eighth, and I it's, uh, we had an on arrival training from Monday on. On on Thursday uh, overnight, the war broke out, and uh, in the morning uh, we were there. So uh, what are we doing? So we have a participant from Ukraine, we have participants from Russia, and we have participants from the region. Uh, so what are we doing there just, uh, this, in this, this moment? And uh, so we, we try to find find a way to, to put this topic on the table more or less spontaneously and dealt with it and tried to redirect afterwards uh, the volunteers back to the program because, uh, well, they weren't coming to talk about the war, they were coming to uh, do their voluntary service and learn something about volunteering and solidarity. So so this was this was the, the moment and late later on, 
it was more like this. I was I was very busy with work, but uh, we had a discussion also in our family. Um, I have two kids. Um, I'm living in Poznan in Poland, so we were quite close. The reaction in the Polish news was was quite emotional about this. So it was kind of okay. Uh, Ukraine is now, then kind of, and Poland will be next. Yeah. So this was, uh, and it was really like in the news, like yeah, we need to get get ready. And we were just discussing. So what what can we what can we really do in that moment? Is uh, because we saw already kind of friends and 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 um, people here in our street. They started to host refugees, and um, there were all these welcome points and people collecting clothes and uh, and other stuff uh, for 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 the for the first people to come. Uh, but I couldn't see myself there. I wanted to do something, but I couldn't see myself there. And then, um, then somehow it clicked. I saw that uh, Marta and uh, Dagna, Dagna had this on arrival training with, so we shared this moment, this very first moment. And uh, and they started already collect materials somewhere for trainers, and I started collecting some materials for for mentors uh, because I was on another project and I was boring. Okay, you have volunteers out of the region, so the mentors are the first people maybe to take care about. Uh, what, what what's going going on in the life of volunteers so and uh, and it clicked very much kind of oh let's let's publish something let's put something together what we are and do it fast and it was really like a, a process uh, of i don't know two weeks where we put this little pub- publication together and then we put it out and then it was first silent yeah <laughs> and then but then some somehow it took off it was was really surprising that uh, we we put something out there in the world which which was very much needed at the at the same time and also people were asking about it yeah can you can you say something about it or, or yeah. mm, and so so what would you say what would you say are the, the main issues when dealing with this so i guess what i'm asking is uh, how do we address it? You know, when when that becomes an issue uh, of urgency and it's in everybody's head. Um, in in facilitation, we say we say the accident is the topic. No, whatever is happening, that is not the topic of the training, but it's in everybody's head. Well, that's the topic, and we need to address it. So, what would you give as advice for people to address these issues in context of non-formal learning? Um, so first of first of all, just to stress what you are saying, I, I think there there is a there is a sentence from Ruth uh, Cohn, which is um, disturbances and passionate involvement take precedence. So, <clears throat> which is some, somehow uh, a recommendation to act before something exploding in the group uh, and it's blowing into your face and you uh, you don't know what what to, to do to this because it's it's taking its space yeah, yeah if you if you imagine imagine kind of uh, kind of maybe to to make clear that the, the young people I'm working at the moment with are these volunteers so it is that's the group 18 to 30 and they're coming from all over uh, Europe um, they're coming out of the region. We have often uh, really also uh, volunteers from Ukraine or or Russia uh, or neighboring countries. So you so and you ne- you never know who is sitting there and what experience they bring. 
And this is kind of, I mean, it's a basic knowledge that's the, the, the normal if you're facilitating groups or working with, with youngsters, that, that's normal. But in that situation, you never know what experience they bring in connection um, to the war. So maybe they had to leave their family, maybe their family is split. Uh, maybe they are just caring about the relative uh, and they don't have contact with it at the moment. Um, maybe maybe even if i'm working with mentors i uh, had once a situation that other experiences with war like mm. for example i had a mentor she uh, experienced the balkan wars as a child mm. and at a certain moment she she came we when we were talking about taking care about volunteers coming from from ukraine she was saying kind of i know exactly how it is and then suddenly her experiences from childhood uh, popped up. So, so you never know what is uh, what is in in the room, uh, and what is behind. Yeah. And uh, so the question how to how to how to address it. Um, but it's um, that's already the second step, I would say. The, kind of the first step would say. Um, I'm a person or I'm a facilitator who is very much watching. So what is going on in, in, inside me? <clears throat> so I think the first is really, and I, I, I wrote down a sentence uh, at the beginning this uh, because people were asking also about tools. So how to address it and what are the tools that you have? It's some kind of an, and I said at the beginning, there are no tools. It's only you. That's the situation of uncertainty. And if you are jumping to tools, uh, you have a need to control the situation. But that's maybe a situation of uncertainty, which is out of your control at the moment. So and you need to stay there a moment and to feel what's happening in this moment of uncertainty. Mm. And there is a lot. So this is tools come a little bit later. So first, this is kind of so. So what are your own feelings and emotions if it comes to the topic of about war? Yeah, and that's not so not so not so easy. So I, what I suggest is first to look at about yourself and maybe start a clarification process. That's actually something what we did uh, with with Dagna before we started uh, the on arrival training on that day, the 28th of February. We kind of we were calling one another and so kind of and the, the first half an hour we were talking about okay, how do you feel about this <laughs> kind of? Uh, so how do you see it? And we were bo both both on the ground, devastated, and uh, and a lot of question marks, yeah. And after we went through this uh, sharing, uh, first then we, we developed some some steps, but first is the self-clarification. So so what's your, your position? What are your, let's say, kind of also inner voices you have that they are speaking? It's not so, it's not so clear, yeah? So this mm -hmm. is kind of... Um, well, you say it's about also checking with the team through the team of facilitators, how are we dealing with mm -hmm. it? Because sometimes we might assume that we are all feeling the same way. And A, we have we might have very different values going uh, around this conflict. We might have, like you say, different backgrounds. It might awaken some kind of old trauma or um, old experiences around war. Um, and, and, and then with participants as well, giving that space for everyone to be able to feel that this is being tackled. Now that it's that we're yeah. not shoving, we're not ignoring this huge thing that is happening to all of us, but we are tackling it. Um, do you have any suggestions on what could be the small actions to tackle it? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, maybe one one thing is kind of uh, the awareness about your own emotions is something also which you need a language for. And there we come with tools. Yeah, for example, um, I read this year kind of it was also the publication of Brené Brown's Atlas of the Heart, mm-hmm. which I think it's a it's a it's a great uh, orientation uh, in the world of emotions we're mapping different emotions in different areas which places she, she says uh, the places you go if you feel this uncertainty for example and then she's naming the emotions connected to it and and exploring them so so this is also uh, you need to have for yourself a, a language for this which is helping you later if you work with the participants to name maybe the emotions of the or help them name the emotions uh, in that way. So it's so it's a work with yourself and it's at the same time a work then later which is helping you to address this topic uh, in in the group yeah? to find to find the language for this because young people might not be able might not be aware or they have a different language or different way uh, to to express it yeah like i would like to smash the, your head against the wall yeah so something so what is it kind of anger sadness uh, disappointment what's the kind of emotion that drives you yeah and then, then the support with the i think with your uh, co-facilitator or co-trainer is is also the f- the first moment when you're putting it out so it's it's kind of a somehow a test conversation yeah so it's kind of if so if you start sharing with the first person it's going to be easier when you're doing it later with the with the group yeah i have one one question because i was listening to you and i was feeling that sometimes we tend when we when we have discomfort we tend to rush into going into uh solution modes and how do you handle this because it's natural for the facilitators oh we have to deal with this let's let's go let's go and how do you stay with the discomfort between the facilitators and take your time when sometimes you feel that you need to bring as soon as possible some kind of answer to the situation how do i stay with it maybe there 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 is another sentence do no harm Mm. when i was looking for materials in connection to crisis intervention um i was looking for who who are the experts in the field so i I went to the united nations uh, volunteers and was looking for what are their recommendations and 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 one sentence you if you if you have volunteering in in that crisis area is this kind of whatever you do do no harm so this is i kept this sentence for me and this is kind of uh helping me not to jump into too fast into action Hmm. but to but to take this time yeah Hmm. and also to say the participants uh, so so listen this is this is nothing where we can immediately jump into into action yeah and from action comes comes a little bit later yeah it's 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 a necessary step yeah but it's not the, maybe the first step first first is this kind of the moment uh, so how do you feel in connection to this war or to the crisis which is just happening and what do you need second so for emotions and then it's the questions about the needs so what do you need yeah uh, and that's very different. So, so uh, 
it might be the kind of I need some time out, yeah, uh, or I need to talk to another person, or I need to call home, home and uh, see if my family is all right, or um, I can take part uh, in the program. It's good. That's also what volunteers say. Kind of, I want to make and continue with the program. I want to 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 work on what does it mean a volunteer here because I need some distraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they ask them kind of, but is it okay if I can check the phone because I, I I need to check the messages from home if there's something happening to my friends and family? So so this is kind of the, the question is kind of what what do they need? Yeah, and um, and the the magic in that situation is if you address uh, their needs and uh, that's already the first step where participants feel aha there 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 is a space for this, yeah. And, uh, and and it doesn't have to be right now. I can also say something that, um, okay, we can address it and maybe we don't have to do it now, but uh, maybe in the afternoon, those who want to talk can come to me and we have a small group talk. Or if you're individually and you're kind of um, over flooded with uh, your emotions and uh, you don't want to go, let's go for a walk. Yeah, so you can offer different, different things and uh, they can happen now. They can happen later. Uh, but if, as a participant, you you feel ah, it's taken care of, then suddenly kind of uh, it opens, and they are kind of ready to come back, maybe to the program they came for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I'm taking I'm taking from what you're saying uh, two two important things. I think first of all, it's this idea. Well, f- first of all, actually, I want to just make it the point that. Uh, this can happen even if you don't have anyone, any learner that is from the affected region. That happened to me, for example, when the invasion happened. We were having a seminar with a lot of participants online. Um, none of them were really from uh, from Ukraine or Russia. Uh, we had from neighboring countries, of course. Um, so it's not that you have to have even somebody in from the region or neighboring countries but the fact that these kind of, of global events affect us all it has it's like uh shock waves it it, it affects all of us um and it, yeah it, it because it triggers other events exactly you can you can have for example someone who is connected for example to the revolution in iran at the moment and sees what is happening there on the street and knows how the the, the government kind of uh, uh, with torture and killing people reacts to this can be equally affected and just kind of what happenings in the in in the war now in Ukraine can trigger this yeah um, so so this is this is exactly this is kind of because people also say, okay, yeah, but I don't have people uh, in the region. I'm kind of, I'm doing my event in France. I'm far away. Yeah. So it might be, but it, it does. It's not necessary like this. Yeah. And then the second thing you said, which is, you know, to ask people for their needs. You know, how can we now support each other? Not just the facilitators, I'm guessing, but everyone. How can we be supportive of each other and not be judgmental? Because I think. I, I don't know if you would agree, Michael, that um, in this moment, we also all have strong opinions, right? We have very strong opinions about what's what's right and wrong, and they might differ. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, how do you keep a cohesive group when we have such different opinions, but uh, where we still want to build a learning space where 
to the maximum extent as possible, we want to leave everyone the opportunity to still learn if they are willing to do so. I don't know if you if you can consider this or live this. Um, again, I'm starting with myself. If I want to address this topic, it's the question is kind of what do I need as a facilitator to feel safe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm not jumping immediately to the participants say kind of what they, they need. That's the second question is kind of up. But I as a person also need something. Yeah, and I'm kind of my sense for security in that moment also is a source what might participants need in that situation. That's a start. That's a starting starting point. Yeah. So, um, so I'm not just kind of going into the group and uh, and throwing the question in the middle of the, the room. And uh, so because I think what a lot of people feel with this topic is this kind of, okay, I'm going into the group and I'm opening a little bit the lid kind of and then kind of it's exploding and blowing in my face and I don't have it under control anymore mm -hmm. so <clears throat> the the very first safety net is basically it's it's an agreement or is coming back to the contract or making a new contract for such conversations a learned contract you're talking about yes yeah this kind of or contract for communication how do we communicate with, with one another yeah mm -hmm. because it's kind of uh, what you you say it can be uh, very tough it can be very strong opinions uh, and so so you need some arrangements how how are we talking with one another yeah because it's going to be emotional and it's going to be tough it's going to be a difficult uh, conversation mm -hmm. so there's 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 I mean, there's one uh, let's say one one thing what we tried to introduce was um, staying on an individual level, staying on an I, so talking about about yourself, and not switching on. I don't know. The Ukrainians did this, and the, the kind of the Russians did this, or Putin did this, or something. Not not going into a kind of an, a country or a national uh, level, but stay on the individual level. So that that was um, that was one thing, for example. The second thing, what you said, but it's about uh, helping one other, one another. It, mm. There might be some things which we can offer as facilitators, youth workers to the young people, maybe especially those who are very vulnerable uh, in that situation. Uh, at the same time, you can also strengthen the power of the group helping one. And so this is also something what we encourage them to do. So look, uh, what are the ways, how can you support one another? And um, they are, in that moment, something really interesting happened because uh, when, they, when they went into small groups, the person from Ukraine and Russia, they went, suddenly they ended up in, in one group. But no one of the, the, the other participants went there. And they were talked about it. And they kind of the, the volunteer from Russia said kind of, oh, I feel very embarrassed that kind of at the moment broke out on what's happening in my country. I don't know. I, I really, 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 really don't, don't know. And I feel very, very sorry. So so they found a way to communicate with one another and connect to one another. And even even somehow to in that way could support one another. Yeah. So I, I think and there are more ways to strengthen this. Yeah. To look for. One and the third, because the group which I'm working with, they're all volunteers so i'm trying to strengthen you have more things in common than things that are different between you yeah you're all here now in poland to have a volunteer service you have all similar motivations to do so 
um, you're all in the same. So they're strength, strengthening also a little bit kind of the sim similarities to build this this community. Dagna said it very nicely, kind of, okay, in that way, the seminar group or the, the young people you're working with, it's, it's a small community, a mini, a microcosmos of a community. Mm -hmm. yeah. And a facil facilitator, you can you can strengthen this com community. Yeah? I, but there I, needs to be a safety net. Yeah, exactly. safety net. I, I think this actually also then mimes a little bit the communication styles we want to promote as a whole around this. You know, if I'm part of a learning group where we are not afraid to put the topic on the table with compassion, with uh, care for each other, with a clear focus on we are here to learn together, but we need to support each other on this as well. I think this can also be a great place to train this competence. And you, you started um, when you presented yourself to talk about reconciliation. And I think there's, you know, there's the skills to work on reconciliation. I think have to do a lot with this, to be able to hold these spaces and to care for my, ourselves and others um, on a human level beyond the issues, beyond the, you know, taking sides, beyond our opinions but just to understand that we can also care for each other and still disagree and still have difficult conversations and still uh, have our concerns and be afraid, but we can still be human with each other. And I, I think then the learning space can also be, you know, a great space where we are learning how to transfer this style of communication to other circles uh, of our life. Um, at the same same time, as difficult uh, difficult as it is, uh, the connection they build among one another is deeper, mm. and it's 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 a better base than kind of to 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 be together and learn together. Mm. I, I was I was listening and I was uh, thinking that uh, maybe when the 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 issue is stronger, it's more difficult, but the impact is bigger because if we think about the person that, if, if a group can handle this kind of topic, other kinds of talk, talk, uh, topics will be slightly easier. And I think that sometimes we, we're afraid of, the, like you said, exploding in our face and we bring the easier topics first, afraid of, the, of exploding in our faces. And I was asked, I would like to ask you if, if we, if it's a brave act, but also a smart act to bring difficult topics, it, it, it couldn't be. It, it, maybe it's not war, but stronger topics, and then go to the easier ones afterwards. You you mean as a strategy? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, colleagues of, of mine, um, I was in in the uh, so af afterwards. Uh, some colleagues of mine, I, I got to know them ten years ago in an online course, and they 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 are making uh, manager trainings. And they they saw my this publication, and I said, kind of, that's exactly kind of what we're discussing with them. And I said, kind of, okay, but uh, that's a totally different group. Um, and I said, yeah, but we want to invite you, and you talk talk a little bit about your experiences. Uh, and they had a name for this space. They they met one time uh, per month, and they they named it Brave Space. Yeah. So it was also the encouragement to go out of your comfort zone kind of and to risk something um, 
in in this in this this topic yeah and um I, I like this like this 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 motto this um i, I think <clears throat> i think as a I, I wouldn't provoke it but i'm i'm looking for for questions and topics um which invite participants to go beyond the small talk go deeper you know to create also deeper deeper connections Mm-hmm. Yeah, def, def, definitely. And I think think um, the natural approach is really kind of not exclude what is happening around us. When, and we have we have so many things which are happening around us. I mean, we have uh, climate change. Um, we have we have COVID. Um, we have now the war. We have the Iranian revolution. So we have plenty of topics which we can in a, in a natural way connect they're happening around and we don't have to to exclude them yeah and i think this this is really an invitation what you just said now michael i think it's so important it's really an invitation for us to acknowledge that our diverse group group of learners is probably experiencing a lot of stress and a lot of uh, maybe emotional um uh, turmoil from it can be from the war if that is kind of what is on the news now but maybe from things that are not so much on the news and that they are that we are experiencing them or some of us are uh, on a social level on a societal level we are feeling distressed because maybe elections are coming tomorrow and you know the extreme right might win or um that uh yeah there has been a kind of um um, a big storm or a big uh, climatic change in, in our region and uh, there are people that need our help and we are distressed with that. So there's so many issues, you know, on a time that we live that it seems like we're going from crisis to crisis. I think there's more and more the need to be able to bring these topics on the table, to acknowledge them and to invite people to offer support to each other uh, in a kind way um, mm. on these topics. It's not just the war. Yeah, um, there, there are two things. Man. Uh, in in February, February, March, April, this uh, this topic was fresh. So this mm-hmm. is kind of it was very accurate, and it was really this moment of uh, being overwhelmed, feeling helpless, and um, yeah, uh, so the the moment of shock. Yeah, how can such a thing happen? And uh, the question: So what are we doing with this? Yeah, and then <clears throat> now. In, in November, it's a bit different because uh, so every day are coming these pictures or these news, and then there on top there is Iran, and then there's uh, there are there are there are other news, etc. So kind of the stress is changing. Yeah, it's not the shock moment, but the stress is going under our skin. So yeah, we, we so we we put it a little bit away. Yeah, we uh, don't let ourselves so much touched by this also um but the stress is still there mm-hmm. and um so and the, the question that that's still an open question where i'm switching so how would to work with this when it's when it's so under kind of an underlying condition already yeah? mm-hmm. um i mean you see it because at the moment the topic of self-care well-being um building resilience it's it's quite a very popular topic at the moment. There are a lot of kind of events, seminars. There's a lot of materials there, but it reflects also a need mm. to do something with with this stress. And this is if it comes to tool, it's also this this uh, uh, something you can do parallel 
whenever you work with people uh, with um, uh, with with young people uh, with volunteers. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and kind of try to strengthen a little bit their self-care or also some exercises, starting with breathing exercises, uh, physical exercises. And what what um, tools or links or, you know, if somebody wants to start on this, where would you uh, recommend them to start? I know there's the publication uh, that uh, you and your colleagues wrote, and we will put the link on the text. What other places can people go to to learn more about this? Um, so one with one thing what I started was something like uh, psychological first aid, mm -hmm. which is kind of a, like the first aid if you come to an accident um, and you do first aid, but on a psychological uh, level. So this is the kind of so look if the, sa the place is safe, uh, listen of what is needed and then link it maybe to a professional service if if this this is needed i think this this is something very good to start as a as a facilitator mm -hmm. because uh i i don't i think it would you i mean you can read and try to get maybe more competence in terms of stress coping with stress and dealing with trauma but it's not our job yeah. And I would be also very careful because I don't have the qualification with this. No one has the qualification with this. That's okay. You can get qualifi qualified, mm -hmm. but in this moment of when you're also as a facilitator overwhelmed and you snap into the solutions, then you would like to help. And that's maybe not your job to do. Your mm -hmm. help maybe is then the, if you have really a traumatized person, you, you link this person maybe to a professional. So, so this is maybe some some topic. So, um, psychological first aid that would be one. And if you are in an organization, uh, what I was was looking up, uh, there's a term like uh, trauma informed organizations. And uh, so this is kind of procedures organization can implement. Um, so what to do in crisis situations? Mm -hmm. yeah? mm -hmm. And uh, well. Maybe not surprisingly, but uh, a lot of literature is there in, in America mm -hmm. in the aftermath of the school shootings, mm -hmm. because it's not as a result only that they have more security and metal detectors in schools, etc. But they have also kind of procedures what to do with their pupils um, uh, if if something like this happens. So so they are kind of so you can also prepare on an organizational level. So that's kind of the, that's the second thing, what you individually and what you can. And then there's maybe one one last thing, because we're finishing now an online course, how to talk war, how to talk about war and peace. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe I, I, because this is maybe the last thing. It's also this, this last trip. So, so what are you doing with all this kind of um, mm -hmm. You're, you're feeling helpless and hopeless um, and then it's kind of so so can you inspire some small actions yeah so this is the kind of it's also some a question maybe to to leave then with if you work with young people so what can you do in your local environment helping one uh, one another in a seminar group is already the first step to inspire small actions so look you can do something you can help maybe another person to feel better uh, to cope with this uh, but there may be other things to do so this also so that's why we also put these questions kind of, it's not only how, how to talk about war and peace yeah and go in maybe in this 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 direction because um, international youth work as I started if and with with service civil international it was reconciliation. 
The first war camp in Service Civil International, what happening was after the First World War, German and French people in Verdun together in a war camp. Yeah, so so there, <clears throat> so youth work has also a history of uh, of, of peace peace work. So and we are finishing an online course which was um, is which is based on a residential uh, course which was happening in July in Toro. Um, and it's 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 leading you through a reflection process, as maybe shortly mentioned here. So self clarification with yourself, uh, and it's going through these topics like uh, getting aware and naming your emotions and creating a safe space. What do you need? And it's also touching on on self care and well being, and then going further on so what are the tools maybe you can use uh, to provide a safe space kind of for the young people you work with and then there is there's a lot lot still also about uh, trauma sensitive youth work and and other articles uh, there and it's ending exactly with this question is kind of okay so how to turn this one into small actions fantastic Thank you so much. I think uh, we will also link up this these uh, resources in the in the text. So before we finish, Michael, uh, it's it's been so interesting talking to you. We always have a surprise question from our previous guests, <laughs> and uh, we would like to drop that <laughs> and ask you to answer. So, please. So the question from our previous guest is: What do you think is an important new step, an innovation for youth work? And there's one one limitation: in digitalization is not allowed. Mm. What's the next big step for youth workers? The big next big step. Uh, I don't know. You're, you're triggering here a button. Um, this is kind of uh, <clears throat> when everything is innovation, nothing is innovation. Mm. Uh, that's uh, that's very difficult for me. And uh, in the program, it was over the years as a criteria, very often this kind of, oh, you have to have something new. It mm. has to be every time something new and innovative, even if you're doing since 20 years youth, youth exchange. <laughs> and um, I rather recommend always to people do what you want to do with your young people and what is what is close to you and make something wonderful and magic will happen and that will be the innovation so so this is uh, this is really my my answer for me it's not even even I wouldn't say digitalization is not 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 in in innovation in in in, in that way it's just yeah, it's kind of a development. Yeah, um, so it's. I've, I think this this question that, that, that what's the next new big thing is kind of. I, I don't. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, well, I, the question was more meant as what is the next development in youth work that we need besides digitalization? What would be the next development uh, that would be needed in a way? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I'm curious, curious just to kind of to to find out. But I but I'm I think not the the person to say it's going in this or that direction or this this would be needed. Yeah. Hmm. So it it seems like the answer is curiosity and humility. Couples, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What would be a question you would like to leave for the next guest, Michael? Um. 
One question I, I stumbled over um, also in connection to talking about the, the war when I was thinking <clears throat> I, I can share. I had a crisis moment when I when the war broke out and I felt kind of, oh, no, you, you, you're doing now, I don't know, for 30 years, this kind of uh, youth work, bringing people from different countries together. And now that. Uh, was this kind of a complete failure? So this is one voice, yeah. So this is the other voice is in inside me who says this kind of, uh, yeah, uh, we need to have more more international youth exchange, yeah, to kind of no more bringing people from different countries together so they they cannot be manipulated by any government. This kind of, but they they know the truth about kind of people from another another culture. So um, uh, in that respect, uh, I think a source of our work is uh, the question why. So why are, why are we doing the things we are doing? And my question is, um, yeah, what drives you? Mm. Why do you do the things you are doing? That would be my question to Yeah, why are we doing what we are doing? I think we should ask every day ourselves this. <laughs> good point, very good point. And if you want to make a challenge out of this, um, you need to ask this seven times to go deeper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the side, the side. And go, or go crazy are the, the, the two options. Go deeper or go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dears. Um, it was such a pleasure talking with both of you. I think this is such an important topic um, and such a sensitive, needed issue nowadays. Um, thank you so much, Michael, to, to exchange with us your views and your experience um, on the, around this topic and for developing these great resources. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hui, as well, uh, for being here today. Just one thing. I don't I don't know if you're feeling this, Anita, but I feel that the, in this season, I don't know if, if it's because we stopped for so much time. I feel that we need around two in every guest that we interview. I, I feel the need to have a second conversation because <laughs> it always feels short, the, the episode. So I, I, I'm here openly asking, would you be willing to come back another time, Michael? Any anytime, anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for this opportunity. It was our pleasure. Yeah. So see you around. Thank you, Hui. Thank you, Michael. And let's keep talking youth work. This podcast was brought to you by Team Mais, recorded and edited by Rui Branco for the international project EduLabs, financed by the Erasmus Plus program. Our great partners for this project are the associations ANEV from the Czech Republic, YouthWatch from Slovakia, and of course HOMAC, the University of Applied Sciences from Finland.